Hello and welcome to the Pondering Scripture Podcast, where we'll open God's Word and let Him guide our lives. I'm your host, Jeremiah Cox. Welcome back to Pondering Scripture, where we are going to continue our study of James chapter 3. We considered the first five verses last week in our episode beginning this chapter. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the middle section of this chapter, which we might primarily describe as a chapter on the tongue, though we'll see the discussion of wisdom at the end. But in this episode, we will look at verses 6 through 12. James continues his discussion of the tongue to note the potential for evil that it has, and its great potential And he says this in verse 6, following what he said in verse 5, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. He says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. I think it's important to note once again that the context is set in the first verse of this chapter that we might describe as being on the tongue. When he says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And we noted last episode that that concept of a stricter judgment is really the concept of a greater judgment. And so, Those who are aspiring to be teachers need to understand that in the many words they'll be using to expound upon God's Word, they're opening themselves up to a greater sphere of judgment. A greater judgment is what that concept means. The Greek word means greater. And so, if you are not in control of your speech, and we noted that that is an indication that you're in control of your heart, that your heart is good and so your speech is good. If you're not in control of that and you start teaching, then you open yourself up to the possibility of unleashing a world of hurt on others, of causing immense spiritual chaos and damage. And also, obviously, as the greater judgment is for teachers you're opening yourself up for a greater judgment with your words. And so, let not many become teachers because of the great potential for evil of the tongue. But I want to preface this particular episode by noting that James is not saying that the tongue is inherently evil. He's simply showing the negative of these things as a warning to those who shouldn't be teachers, who are aspiring to be teachers. Note how much damage can be caused by teaching something that you aren't familiar with, that you don't know enough about, or teaching 
the Word of God when your life is in inconformity to God's Word. And so he could have easily had a chapter, if this was not an epistle of great warning in many areas, he could have easily had a chapter on the potential good for the tongue. Because in verse 1 of chapter 3, the whole subject matter is on teachers. Let not many become teachers. And as we noted in the last episode, teachers are a gift that Christ left when he ascended on high and led captivity captive. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Teachers are good, and, and teachers teach with words or their tongue that is used by metonymy in reference to speech. And so there's immense potential for good with the tongue as well. But in this context, it seems that James's audience is comprised by, of many who are aspiring to be teachers who shouldn't be, but also for the wrong reasons. That's especially something we'll get at in the third section of this great chapter. But note as we go through this great potential of evil that the tongue possesses that we're not subscribing to a Calvinistic concept of inherently sinful flesh or inherently sinful man. That's not what James is saying either. James is saying that if your heart is not pure, if your heart is not in control, and you are not in control of your tongue, and you easily stumble in word because you're not a mature Christian, as we saw in verse 2 of this chapter, then if you take this position of a teacher, you are submitting to a great potential for harm. And this is what he describes it as. As he says in verse 5, that the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, just like the bit in a horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship in the middle of a storm. He also says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And he follows that imagery in verse 6 to show the danger of the tongue. And the tongue is a fire, he says, a world of iniquity. Fire spreads rapidly, and we can understand that. When we see wildfires on the news, and they're covering those things, especially in places like California, we can imagine that that ginormous fire burning down all of those homes and running through the landscape and putting many lives in danger could have been started by an individual without a care who flicked their cigarette butt out the window it landed in amongst some some dry grass and and brush and turned into that great, incredible, dangerous fire. It spreads rapidly and yields great damage. And understand that image as well. You have this concept of teachers, and, and a teacher can utter one word. A teacher can teach one thing wrong, have 99% of his doctrine is right, and then he can slip up and say one thing wrong, and the people who hear that leave that assembly or that place where he taught that message and they heard it, and their whole lives think that that's right when in reality it's error, and then they teach that to others and they teach that to others, and not only is the doctrine spread rapidly, but their lives are decaying by a doctrine that is not from God. It's a world of iniquity, he says. The word world is the Greek word cosmos, or cosmos, 
as we use that term to refer to the universe, because cosmos means order, and the universe is orderly. It is great evidence of an intelligent designer, as it is intelligent design. And here it's translated into world, as it is in other places. And it's obviously just using figurative language to show the great sphere of danger and capability of the tongue, who is not in control by the heart. It has potential like the span of the universe for evil, for that which is iniquity. Again, it's not inherently sinful, but it does have great potential for evil if the person who is utilizing it is not careful. And he furthermore elaborates upon the reach of the tongue. It's so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It's kind of like what we saw before in verse 2 where he says, We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. And we manifested that the control of the tongue is essentially a control of the heart or vice versa. That the way you control the tongue is controlling your heart. You won't stumble in word if your words are not sinful, are not in contradiction to the truth or in manifestation of sinful character. And the way we control that is by controlling our heart. As Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, the things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. We noted in our previous episode that speech manifests the content of our heart as we just saw there in Matthew 15. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And that's essentially what he's saying here. Here's the reach of the tongue. It's so set among our members. It has that intricate and, and delicate place within our members, our body, that defiles the whole body if it is running astray because it manifests our heart and our heart is what controls our body of course and it sets on fire the course of nature that word course is the greek word trakos and it means a, a wheel or a course as he says but with metaphorical reference to the round of human activities is what vine says nature is the greek word genesis and we know that from the first book of the bible that's the greek word of that beginning book and that's what it means a, a beginning but it can be in a beginning of life where you have Art and Gingrich giving the definition a state of being. And that's what James is saying. It sets on fire the wheel or the whole round of human existence. Because if your tongue cannot be kept in order and it's spewing out those things which are unrighteous, then quite obviously it's manifesting an unrighteous heart and that unrighteous heart is going to run rampant in other areas as well. And he gives this great warning. It is set on fire by hell. That is the Greek word Gehenna. And it's an obvious reference to, as that word is always used, to the place of the wicked in eternal destruction with the devil and his angels, Gehenna, like the valley of Hinnom that is near Jerusalem. Essentially what James is saying is that the uncontrolled tongue that leads to all this damage, is going to burn in hell. And if that's the case, the person who is the possessor of that tongue will as well. We should heed Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, 
For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. He says the same thing of your hand. And also, he would say the same thing of your tongue. Let not many of you become teachers, he says. If you don't have control of your tongue, just don't teach. If you don't have control over the content of your heart, which will translate in control over the content of your teaching, then don't teach because you will cause so much damage. He goes on to describe the strength of the tongue and how dangerous it can be. He says this, that every kind of beast and bird, reptile, creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You think about that. The psalmist said in Psalm 8, When I consider the works of your hands, the heavens, and your creation, what is man that you are mindful of him? He understands the the vast nature of the universe and the animal kingdom and, and the strength that's there, the power that's there, the wisdom that is behind that. And yet God has been mindful of man in many ways, and one of which in his creation is he set all those things under his dominion. God has given us the ability to use animals for our purposes, for our benefit, as tools, as aids, as friends, of course, I guess. But we can tame animals. Some are better at it than others, but even the exotic animals of vicious nature that are extremely dangerous can be tamed. But he's contrasting that with the tongue. As small as the tongue is and insignificant as it may seem, no man can tame the tongue. You can have a a man that can tame a tiger, and that man is in no control of his tongue. No man can tame the tongue. But let me understand, let's understand that He's not contradicting himself because in chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And in these, there's the implication of that there are those who are perfect men, mature men, who can control their words, control their speech. That's how it should be. And so essentially he's saying you can tame the tongue. And then he goes on to say you can't tame the tongue. What's he, what's he saying? He's using hyperbolic language. He's saying understand what it takes to tame the tongue. It's a great task. And if you can't do it, don't teach because of how much damage it will cause. There's great difficulty in taming the tongue because he says it's an unruly evil. Again, potential evil. But the word unruly is the same word used in chapter 1 and verse 8, which was unstable. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, he gave the image of the waves of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, and that is essentially what he means by unstable. It's up and down, it's back and forth, it's inconsistent, and that's the potential of the tongue. And if your heart's evil, then how much more evil will your speech be? And then look at how far that can spread. It's full of deadly poison like a snake's bite. The tongue is waiting to strike, and with one word, can cause so much damage. You know, he elaborates on that, and this is especially something that is helpful in our understanding of teaching and the danger of those who are not equipped to teach, starting to teach. He 
He really shows the duplicity of the tongue, the fact that it can be double-sided and inconsistent. With it, we bless God and Father, and we curse men who have made, made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Note first that he says these things ought not to be so, which implies that you can keep from doing them. Ergo, you can tame the tongue. But the problem is the heart, the immature man who tries to teach, is going to be speaking out of both sides of his mouth and probably won't even understand that he's doing that because he doesn't have a familiarity with the Word of God. And some of these teachers, as we'll see in chapter 4, were individuals of great selfishness and they were bent on destroying their brethren. They were lusting, but they couldn't have because they asked to miss that they may spend it on their pleasures, but their their wars, there's fights, there's murders, and all of that kind of stuff is discussed by James and These are people who are claiming to be teachers blessing God and glorifying God, and yet they turn around with the same mouth they bless God with, and they curse their brother. It ought not be so. But that's the potential evil of the tongue. You can do so much good, but if your heart's not tamed and controlled and uniform, then the tongue will not just cause much good, but obviously will cause much evil. In 1 John 4.20, John said, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. And that's essentially what James is saying. How can you say you love God? How can you say God is so good and teach his word and then turn around right after you preach that sermon or taught that class, whatever it was, and then speak bad about your brethren? Or do something to your brethren. It ought not be so. Verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And, you know, Jesus talked about that with the Pharisees with regard to the fruit concept. In Matthew 12, 33, he said this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. And that's when he says that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, here's the context in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus had cast out a demon, and the Pharisees saw it, yet they had the audacity to say he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, Satan himself. And that's when Jesus shows the flaw in their logic, a house divided against itself cannot stand, but then he says that essentially they'd blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And you won't be forgiven of that because the Holy Spirit's the final straw or the final rather attempt of God to reconcile man to himself. There is not going to be another dispensation of revelation. The Holy Spirit will come, and what the Holy Spirit will do is attest of his words that they are his and of God by performing miracles through the people speaking those words. And if you deny that those miracles come from God, and obviously they do, then you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit And so what these Pharisees, as teachers of Israel, were doing, were claiming to be those teachers of Israel, and we're guiding spiritually, and we can help these people out, and 
then they're saying, but this guy over here who's obviously performing miracles is doing it by Beelzebub. And so this is why Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. In other words, you can't claim to be a good tree and be saying things that are evil. And that's the danger and potential of the tongue in evil things. Let not many of you become teachers because if you start to teach and you really have no business teaching, you may say a lot of good things, but then because you aren't mature, because you don't have a, a grasp and on, on your tongue and your, your heart is, is far from conformity to the truth, then what you're going to do is not only say some good things, but you're going to say some bad things. And since your speech manifests your heart, that's obviously indicating that your heart is wrong. It's, it's not in line with the truth. And Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. It cannot be a tree that is a fig tree but bearing olives or a grapevine bearing figs. That's not how things work. So note the great evil that is in the potential of the tongue. And let not many of you become teachers, but have control of your tongue. If you're to teach, make sure you've examined yourself and you are found to be that perfect man that can control his tongue. And then next week, make sure you're wise. Who is wise and understanding among you? Because if you're going to be a teacher, the reason that those words will cause such damage will be because your heart is not conformed to God's wisdom, but is filled with the wisdom that is from earth, that is sensual, that is demonic. And so he's not discouraging people from being teachers, but he's warning about the great weight of teaching. And he's telling them, if you're going to be a teacher, you had better be mature, have control over your tongue, and be after the wisdom of God. I hope that this study was beneficial to you. We'll conclude James 3 in our next episode. I hope that you do have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Pondering Scripture. It may be that you have some questions or comments. If so, don't hesitate to email me at jeremiahstancox at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day.